0: You're listening to Critical End, episode number 95. Uh, Logan, we were talking a little bit before the show, but let's get into it now. I know people are probably tired of hearing it, but I have another unique, terrible theater experience story that I have to share. I'm
1: going to quickly say, I don't think people are tired, because whenever I talk to people about the show, that's the one thing that everyone seems to agree on.
0: Oh good, really?
1: Um, And they all, yeah, they're all with us in that. However... I feel like when you talk about this with anyone, they always, like, back you up. It could be, like, that really obnoxious uh, guy or girl, you know, like, the most obnoxious person you know, who you know is, like, texting or calling, you know, talking on their phone or just talking really loud in the theater next to you. I think, as just a rule, everyone thinks that's sort of thing's bad, but it doesn't stop people from going to the theater and doing it. Right. Um, anyway...
0: Well, Sorry, This one is unique because I don't blame the person involved. Well, I don't really. Actually, I don't know exactly what was happening. I'll just explain it, and then we'll say. It. But okay. this this isn't like you know bad person territory necessarily. So I was in the theater. I had a really nice seat, and I was watching the previews. And as I as the previews started rolling, I realized that I could hear this sound that sort of sounded like. Uh huh. Okay.
1: So either Darth Vader or Cheech was behind you, one or two.
0: And I still don't know exactly where it was coming from. Now, I think it might have been some sort of, like, just based on the sound alone and in guessing, I think it was some sort of breathing apparatus or something, right? Like, somebody, somebody needed to survive, and therefore I'm glad that they still get out of the house with that thing, whatever it is. But Jesus Christ, Logan... So, it's like, it's really loud. So, now I'm sitting fairly close to where I think the sound's coming from. So, I'm like, well, let me just solve this issue myself. So, I go all the way up to the top of the theater, way away from where I was, much worse seat, okay? Mm -hmm. But whatever, obviously, it's not, you know, fine. And I could still hear it. It's still super loud. Like, when the movie was going and everything was, you know, (laughs) was fairly loud in the movie, I didn't notice it. But, like, any time there was even a slight bit of silence where J.J. Abrams is trying to, like, create some quiet moment, it's Mm -hmm. like, And I just Uh, I couldn't stand it And look, I don't know what the situation was With this person or what that sound actually was But it just reminded me again That I would just rather be watching this movie In the living room Where I just could control the atmosphere a little bit more I agree And why is it that we're the ones who always move too? Well, I mean you feel it's bad like, especially in this situation where it's like, Hey, could you stop breathing like a robot? Like it's hard to say. Yeah, that. but we give in so easily
1: and I there's this mentality now where I think I think breathing like a robot's not the best example for this sort of thing, but like people talking around their phone right. that people are gonna fight for. it. You know what I mean? There's this mentality that I'm the winner, not you, and I have to be the winner. So if you even if you ask someone to be quieter, you like sush them, you're in the wrong instantly for doing so, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you're in the wrong, but you automatically are starting, you're automatically potentially making the situation worse. Because if the guy is right. like, well, fuck you, man, now you're in some sort of weird fight in a movie theater. That's right, which is the last, yeah, you don't want to deal with that in the like, movie look, theater. look, just, can you, I just, yeah.
1: But furthermore, uh, X-Men First Class, I had this issue um, where halfway through the movie, it was actually some big reveal. I think it's like the scene where uh, Professor X is like meeting with the CIA or something, mm-hmm. and he reads someone's mind in the room, and there's this, Pan across the room to like to end up on whoever's mind he just read, and yes. they're like shocked, right? Yes. Well, during that slow it's, it's pan, it's actually
0: when Mystique turns into that person, so they're two okay. In that that's one what shot. it was. Yes,
1: yeah. Well, during that slow pan to reveal the guy's reaction, the lights and perfect cue slowly came up, and then they stayed up the rest of the movie,
0: <laughs> as if that person was going to be revealed in the audience. Yeah, it's right. right. <laughs>
1: Is it you? He's in the um,
0: house now. The lights <laughs> stayed on the whole movie?
1: They did. And now, don't mind you, this isn't like the floor lights where they used to come and clean up. This is those house dim lights, lights that when you yeah, uh, when you first walk in. Um, but still, I just knew that I wasn't about to get up and go like say something to someone. Because what's happening is I'm going to miss the movie or something like that. And at the same time, when the movie's over, if I go and complain about this, they're going to say, you know, and I'm like, hey, give me my money back. And so they're like, well, you watched the whole movie. Yeah. Like, why, I mean, what are we refunding your money
0: for? Because you saved the whole movie and watched it. Yeah, you but also, probably could get a free ticket out of it, but I mean, it's just sort yeah, of like, at that point, I don't care. It was, a, it was a problem at the time, and this doesn't, like, fix anything in the future. Exactly
1: right. And um, on top of that, we're sort of under, uh, I, I know, like, you know, we get a week, right? But I'm sort of under, like, a time restraint to do these quick end episodes. Right. And so something like that, when the that lights come up, I can't just leave the theater and, like, plan to go another time or something, you know?
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Um, and they, that's what they're going to say, they're like, oh, we get you another show or something. I'm like, no, this is my last chance. Like, i got to go home
0: tonight to do this or, yeah. um, you know, that sort of thing. Or, I, you know, I have other plans in my life. Which, so yeah, it's... which is an unusual situation for us because we're doing a podcast. But if, let's say, you're, you know, a, your parents and you can only – you have the kid, you have a babysitter only for one night. You're trying to go see a movie. You can't just come back any night, you know?
1: Well, uh, there was a Regal – a really nice Regal Theater in Nashville, uh, where you and I grew up um, And they still are, It's still it. there and They still show These cool like Artie films and everything But and this wasn't Just this theater But this was the only one In Nashville that did this It was actually a test theater For this sort of thing oh. But if you went in You could sign up And you receive This little box That looked kind of like A pager And you go, the, uh, you go into the theater hmm. Well What this box had Was uh, buttons for uh, Problem with uh, focus Problem with lights Problem with sound uh, Prom people talking. There was just all these buttons on their label that of they, and basically you push those buttons, and they'd send an usher into the theater to see what the problem was and go from there. That's the way that they should do this. And I'm surprised, like these are just like bolted to walls at theater. That way, I don't have to leave the theater to report the lights are down yeah. and miss a good five or ten minutes of movie running around the lobby trying to find someone to talk to. Yeah, uh, I just walk over to this box, or anyone would probably get up and do it, and just push whatever button, and someone would come to the theater or go up to the projection
0: projection booth and look out and see what the problem is. Uh, having ones like behind every seat is an even better idea because then it's sort of anonymous. So, like, you don't have to worry about being called out as the person who was like, this guy's talking, you know. If it was just sort of, like, sends out a general alert and then somebody comes in and can obviously hear who's talking. That's true. That's obviously guess... way too expensive for, to be practical, I imagine, but...
1: Yeah, and there's problems with that. Like, people kicking them one, and then second, I, I can already see teenagers just pushing all the buttons during the movie. I yeah,
0: yeah there's a lot uh, of practical problems with that. But it's, right. a, potentially, it's a it's an interesting idea. Well, this
1: uh, leads into something that I saw... Uh, on oh. Uh It actually made the main news. Uh, you know, the uh, Alamo Drafthouse is the big up-and-coming theater out of uh, Austin, Texas. There's uh, a few other scattered around Texas, and there's one that's popped up now in either Virginia or West Virginia. But they are known for just going way out of their way to have amazing customer service as far as making the theater experience for you. Yeah, uh, and I'm one of those people that when I'm watching a movie, or if I'm showing you a movie, even at my apartment or something like that, I want you like to be completely quiet. I want you like watch the screen and like catch every single nuance in that film. You know what I mean? Like, you, like the smallest thing for me like throws me out of that film. And so like in that regard, and you know me, Ryan. I never say this about anything else, but to me, like a movie is art. You know. Mm-hmm. This demands. Your you won't say that about art, but you will say no, that about movies. I I yeah, you know me. I would say about art. <laughs> like this is art. Like this demands your attention, and every single nuance from like this little bit of like sound right here um, to how the screen looks at any given time is important. Okay. Yeah. And they are all about embracing this and keeping it that way. Uh, and to the point that they toss people out for if they even like see a cell phone lit up. I think there's a like a I don't know if it's a three strike system or if it might just be one
0: warning and then you're out. Yeah, I think it's um, a warning and then you're out, but I okay. forget.
1: And I've heard, heard a lot about this and these uh, the film nerds like us who write these blogs like love this place and they all talk it up and everything and say they do a great job of keeping the peace and like keeping this where it works, right? What no one has talked about, and I even went to their website trying to figure out, is how exactly does that work? Do they have someone who's like a bouncer that sits in every theater and like monitors the place? Is it one of those? Is it a the, sing? Is it a single theater? Theater? Or I, I can't imagine looking at the pictures on the official website. It looked like big enough to have multiple ones. Okay. Yeah. But on top of that, like I don't want some like big guy sitting in a chair down close to the screen, just watching the audience the whole time. You know, <laughs> that's kind of creepy. First of all, but second, like how does that work? Do they like come up to whoever and just be like, oh, "Excuse me, come with me." Because I feel like if I was going to this theater, the example being this girl was kicked out and she left a nasty phone call later on how right. obsessed she was. Which, <laughs> I guess she was drunk or something, because her, her argument makes no sense. Basically, she says that she texts in all the other theaters in Texas. So right, and they text. have no
0: problem with it. And yeah, also, no... that she wasn't texting. She's was trying to find her way to her seat using my phone <laughs> as a flashlight. Which, at that point, that she... your argument's already wrong, because, like, come before the movie starts. Yeah, right. But then she goes into
1: how she was allowed to text at every theater. Yeah, like, yeah. we're texting. And how's this problem? Anyway. Um, But oddly enough, she was not allowed to use her uh, phone as a flashlight at every other theater around Texas. It's kind of weird how that works. Uh, But, okay, so furthermore, if I'm at this theater, I know I'm going to get kicked out for this sort of thing. And so if they're coming and tapping on my shoulder, I know what they're there for, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do they avoid all these, like, sort of fights breaking
0: out and stuff or that sort of thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, it might partially be that they only people who, like... See, theater, see films there regularly or people who like already know these rules and follow them I don't know maybe not though because apparently they just do have to kick people out so like I wonder if they just have like a muscle bound dude who does that I mean it's like it's hard to like I don't know I think in America you if you're told to leave someplace by the people who own it you usually do I don't feel like people are going to uh, fights. I don't think
1: that happens anymore Ryan. I really think that now it's all about like me you know like I'm going to fight for my right to be here because um, I have that right. I don't know. I feel like everyone's just bucking to fight now. I know it sounds like it's a terrible outlook on like humans.
0: I, I don't. Th- uh, but I think if like the theater manager kicks you out, you get kicked. I don't think anyone's like, I'm gonna stay. Like I, I think that works for teenagers, but not so much for
1: adults. I think adults have that mindset. It's like I paid my money. I'm gonna see all the movie. Um,
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I,
1: like I, right. luckily, I'm not in that position where I have to do that. But I've been in that position enough times where I wish someone would.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know the. However, they do it. They seem to to get customers coming back. You know, and it seems to be a great theater chain, and I, I think you're right. If people are going there. They're going there for that experience too. But ticket prices are about the same as anywhere else. And
0: yeah, I don't know. I certainly want more of that. Except that, like I, as I've said before, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm disenchanted with the theater experience. I know that's a terrible thing for a guy who likes movies to say. And a lot of you know of my friends who uh, like movies will have and will uh, disagree with me. But like, I just, it's... It seems like such. I know. Okay, it, there's some certain magic to it, and we can't really let go of that. This idea of like going to see a giant, you know, going to a a place and buying food and like having that whole experience of like sitting in this magical room with like so many other people. Because there are situations, plenty of situations, where other people lend to the experience of like a comedy that everyone's laughing along with, etc. Right. Like X Men First Class had a lot of moments, like especially the 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 cameo in X Men First Class. Everybody thought that was great. It was great to be in an audience when that happened, but um, but it seems when you actually look at it really antiquated. Like we have so many ways to watch movies in our homes in situations we control that it's sort of, it's like going to a place to listen to a record with people or something. It doesn't Uh make sense. It's like, why would I bother? And you know, I don't, I know there are people who more than I appreciate, you know, a a hundred foot screen, but like, I'm like, I I think after a couple of minutes, your eyes adjust to whatever screen you're watching and they just fill your field of vision anyway. So Uh I am fine watching that in television. I, I I, don't know, I can respect a well-done a well done theater experience, but there really aren't any anymore, and so I just don't get anything from it.
1: I agree. I think there was a time when uh, the theater experience was that. It was an experience. It was an event. Like, you were there, and like you were lucky to be there and happy to be there, right? So everyone was for it, and then either at the same time or just in a different scenario, there was this time when you go to theater, and you're there with like-minded people. Okay, and that's the kind of experience that you're talking about, where everyone, there's laughing and having a good time because they're all there and they want to be there. Okay, this is like the like-minded people you're hanging with. But now I think that people just go to the theater because they're bored, perhaps, um, or they're like looking for you know it's a teenager like wanting to get away from their parents, you know, uh, just so they can talk or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't uh, know. There are definitely people who go
1: without any plan as to what movie they're going to go see. Yeah, right. Right. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, that's it's not a bad thing. I'm not about to stop someone yeah. who wants to go see a movie. See a movie, But maybe that's what's kind of, like, linted stuff to this whole thing. But on top of that, it's just a whole degrading. And you can blame cell phones to some extent, although it's like, you know, the people are the ones using the cell phones, obviously. But that's, you got to realize that's happened now. And I think when we look back to what the theater experience used to be, that's when we were younger and no one had cell phones so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the worst still... thing you get then was just talking. Yeah. Uh, but now it's... I remember, like when I was really young, being in a theater when I guess it, it was a pager that went off, but it sounded to me like I remember thinking some kid had like a toy gun or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that just blew my mind then too. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's I don't. I'm not. It's not worth looking into this whole thing. But I just know that I'm with you now. It's it's I'm just, just disenchanted with the whole thing, and I kind of hate it. Um, but. Uh, there are times when I kind of want to go Which was the case with Super 8 this week
0: That's true J.J. Uh, J. Abrams, good director I'd like to see his stuff uh, on a big screen As much as I have said it doesn't really affect me that much It is kind of cool to see his stuff big
1: mm-hmm. well, Let's talk about this A few things about Abrams uh, Since you're talking about seeing his stuff big <laughs> um, Something interesting uh, is that And I didn't realize this Until I was reading this uh, Current Entertainment Weekly article with, uh, with him about the whole thing But this is like really his first J.J. Abrams movie Because what we've had from him so far Has been Mission Impossible 3 And Star Trek In other words Two huge franchises That he's just bringing in coming in And putting his own
0: touch on Right Mm -hmm. Those aren't his only two features though Are they
1: Yeah This is only his third film I believe Yeah You could uh, I'm going to be that really fast But I'm pretty sure I'm exactly right Um let me just look Granted, up. Mission Impossible three, I like I've seen in a while, but I, I've ever seen like twice in theaters. I really like that movie.
0: I that's a good. great movie. Uh,
1: it's best one since the first one. Uh, there's not. It has. Uh, you could say like a few of his touches, but it may, mostly just seems like a good installment of the, of the Mission Impossible films. Um, it doesn't really. I don't leave as a J.J. Abrams film, besides maybe seeing uh, like the Felicity girl or something like that, perhaps. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, although that's is that Josh Whedon is Felicity Josh Whedon. Uh, I'm no Confusing my nerds Okay, is that Abrams? Yeah, that's uh, Anyway, all that, forget that because uh, then we had Star Trek And I think this was the first time I felt Abrams was kind of like really putting his imprint on something Because he took characters we all know Did something else with it While at the same time Uh, paying tribute to what What, you know, he always liked growing up Which was the original Star Trek Right
0: Um And you are right, and, by the way Third film
1: Yeah, right, right And so we kind of got a variation of that Star Trek thing here And in, in that he's paying tribute to um, to not just Spielberg films, but kind of like those growing up uh, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s um, films like, you know, Spielberg was known for, kind of like E.T., uh, Close Encounters, and other stuff like The Goonies, you can see some of that in there It feels too. a lot like Goonies, yeah, which was uh, right. also
0: a Spielbor- Spielberg
1: produced joint. That kind of uh, fun, back then, PG film. Um, and now it's, it's interesting, because he's, like, he, it gets really close, I think, to, to making one of those movies. Uh, but of course now it lands a PG-13 rating. Uh, how Times Change was kind of fun Well we
0: didn't have PG-13 Did Goonies was it Goonies before PG-13 even I, I want to say uh, Goonies was also before PG
1: Yeah um, Stuff like that and, like, I, I watched Jaws the other night I was like How is this movie PG? Wow um, Jaws is lot PG of, Is that right? Yeah there's like a lot of uh, Guy gets eaten by a shark on, No it's like Yeah a lot of blood geysers First of all But also a lot of Full on nudity there At the opening of the movie Oh
0: yeah I forgot
1: Um which I, I was telling uh, my girlfriend this time, I was like, you know, as a little kid I should have like been all about this, but I didn't even realize she was nude as a little kid.
0: It's actually I mean it's hard to see. First of all, you're probably watching on VHS oh, where you can't see anything.
1: Yeah, you're probably back then I probably was. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm watching the D V D now, it's all cleaned up and whatnot. But it's anyway. actually
0: more clear more clear than they probably wanted it to be when they shot. Right. <laughs> yeah, probably actually. Yeah. Uh, there's actually there's been some good moments in this would be an
1: interesting, I guess, critical in our class right. There's been some great moments in film uh where because like older films Have been cleaned up so much That you, now you can tell For instance That's obviously not Anthony Perkins Entering the bathroom mm-hmm. About Janet Lee And that sort of thing Like You can tell It's cleaned up too much I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. Um, Which is interesting uh, Anyway So Abrams Yeah Third film He finally uh, got out there To make his own movie uh, While at the same time Making sort of an homage To the films that he liked He managed to snag Spielberg along the way Yep um, And you know Some of uh, the Abrams films That weren't even Abrams seem to have like, I think Cloverfield uh, jumps to mind um, I think some people just kind of assume that's an Abrams film or right. anything uh, although he was executive producer probably I think he's really involved in the story I know his good friend made that movie um, but anyway now we have Super 8 okay now I I think Abrams is a real hit or miss um, I've seen some of the stuff I really like and I've seen some of I didn't like and then some is like Middle Road
0: well what I, are I, since there are only three I mean what are they
1: well not just that, I'm thinking now I'm, I'm branching out to his TV shows now too I'm, I'm thinking everything oh right
0: you were a Lost fan I forgot um, not just
1: Lost but uh, like I tried Undercovers that was a mistake um, uh, Elias of course I want to say there's a few other ones I guess Felicity jumps to mind I never watched it really um, I think I know there's some more out there here's an Alcatraz show coming out soon too mm. and I think these are shows that he gets in there early uh, you know he has this great idea he wants to do and you know he'll direct like the first few episodes and they have just like this cool look to them and everything and then he kind of abandons them that's really what happened to Lost and, you know he he talked about how he ended it off to, be, to, to people he, he trusted and that sort of thing right mistake um yeah, which was never trust anybody's business, <laughs> right? Um, but um, I, I like to think that uh, that handing this film over to Spielberg with Super A as far as Super Eight goes, was a, a good move. Um, although it comes across like Spielberg really loves himself to invest. Kind
0: of like Spielberg
1: anybody. producing a
0: movie that's a love letter to Spielberg. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but enough, I guess, about Abrams in general. I, I guess what I'm what I was getting at that was that I wasn't, uh, like, I'm not someone who rushes out for an Ames movie, but the promotional material kind of sold me on this. And it turns out I was one of the few, because I saw that uh, they had to do some really last-minute 12th hour, uh, 13th hour, uh, tweaking to get people in the seats. And even then, it only kind of worked. It it kind of opened mediocre.
0: Tweaking Uh, to the promotion?
1: Yes, the promotion stuff. uh, To the point that I didn't see see any of this, but... uh, I read an article that said that they uh, he got upset because Paramount did some reveals of uh, whatever it is in the film, causing some all
0: this. Yeah, I cool. I specifically I've only seen the trailers of that movie that I saw in theaters in front of other movies. I was avoiding uh, other other yes. media, and I, that worked to this to this movie's advantage because I still watching it. I was like, I, I it occurred to me as I was as the movie starting, I'm like, I actually don't know anything about what this movie is about at all uh, when I started watching it, which I think worked to its advantage. No, I absolutely agree with that.
1: Um, well, okay, let's talk about a little bit of what it's about. I guess to the extent of what the trailer shows us.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, it's, I really don't want to give anything away about this movie.
0: Well, Super 8 is mainly about a group of kids who is making a movie. I think they're they supposed to be in the 70s. I guess. It's 1979. Okay, uh, so they're making it on Super 8, the uh, the old way to do it before video, and uh, it's basically it's uh, it centers around this particular kid. Um, whose name is something that I don't remember. Uh, Ellie Joe. Uh, yeah, Elliot, basically. Uh, no, his name is Joe, and he is sort of – he's helping his friend make the movie, essentially. So he's sort of like the, uh, the makeup dude, and he helps in other ways. And, uh, and they ask this girl to be in the movie, and Joe is sort of like hot to trot for this girl. Uh, meanwhile, they're filming a scene. They witness a train accident. And the movie uh, is sort of about them trying to finish the movie while simultaneously learning about the weird cause of this accident and getting to the bottom of it.
1: And of course, in the uh, the trailer and the original teaser from a year or two ago, we see something apparently is breaking out of the train yes. or tipping to during all this too. Um, and it, it, I guess Abrams like kind of pulled a Logan. I always like promotion, and I, I feel like I'd do the same thing and wanting to promote his movie this way. And for the most part, Paramount kind of went along with it Until the last second. Uh, but it's hard to do that and fill seats. Uh, I guess at this point, Abrams is enough of a name where he could try to do that. Uh, but I felt like the only people who were really like bucking to see this movie were uh, big time nerds who like just anything Abrams does. I guess. Yeah. Um, even though I feel like a lot of people who rushed out for Star Trek weren't rushing out to see Super.
0: Well, there are uh, then, a, a huge chunk of those people who are just like right, right. Love, in love with JJ Abrams. That those and people then, definitely uh, exist.
1: So the J.J. J. Abrams lovers, and then also film nerds, because this film, it just from all the promotional stuff, you can tell it's grabbing that nostalgic feeling. Um, and I think if anyone can kind of do that well, it's Abrams. And I want to say in that part, I like for the most part, I think he succeeded. There was several times, like I've seen so many movies recently that's like set in this different this time period, or whatever. And you feel like it's, they're going out of their way to rub this in your face or whatever, okay? I think he really does as well. And not only that, like, the look of the film really felt like one of those films, too, I thought.
0: I was going to say the same thing. He doesn't ever say, hey, guys, welcome to the 70s. Yes, it's just, exactly. There are two things. One, the fact that they're filming on Super 8 film to begin with is, is just a, is a time period setter. And two is the music. I mean, you can't even say the clothes because all those clothes are back in style now.
1: Yes. So yeah, that's true.
0: It's not even that it's really those the only two things that remind you that this is set in the and the hairstyle's a little bit. But that's it's very subtle and it it works to the movie's advantage because it doesn't feel like it's forcing it. It feels very natural. It feels like it's just you're watching something that is just taking place in the 70s. But don't you think like the look of the film itself too? I guess that would be the cinematography. Yeah, I think so. Um- like it pulled it off so well, and there are
1: times when he tipped it just a bit. I, I think he kind of went overboard with lens flare at some points, uh, which I guess was like more of a, it's like close encounters, et that sort of thing. Right, as, his, um, as Well, he's now, yeah, to do. they they clean that up a lot. Although I think there's obviously times where I think he added it in this movie, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then of course you have modern effects mixed in there too. However, I thought that was also done really well. Yeah. Um, my I I always quote like grindhouse as, as an example of this, and I don't think it's the best example. Um. Like, a lot of that stuff, like, they set out to make a Grindhouse movie. Well, when you have, like, these over-the-top CG effects, I don't think you're quite succeeding there. And, like, uh, Rodriguez, for instance, like, the best stuff he did in that was when he had, like, the, uh, uh, I, think, I think I guess it was Tom Savini who did that? The
0: Tom Savini makeup
1: uh, with his, which, I already forgot the name, Planet Terror, is that the name of his? Yeah, Planet
0: Terror, with uh, Tarantino's face melting and all that. Yeah, see, that stuff was cool. But then the next thing I know, he'd have these CG
1: explosions and all that. And I'm like, okay, now you're kind of pushing me out of that. Well, it blended incredibly well in Super 8, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to the point that like I still felt like I was just watching an 80s film and there's actually by not revealing anything in the in the teaser and the trailer I, I wondered how he would do the effects maybe they were trying not to to give away that he might try and pull not you know not maybe not uh, like claymation or that sort of thing but you know
0: animatronics um, so or yeah practical
1: effects mm-hmm. uh practical from the late 80s or the mid 80s that sort of, type of thing Yeah it's um,
0: definitely CG but it it fits the world he's created in a in a very cohesive way which I think uh was really really well done. I agree. And Did then, I uh, do all that, or do we know?
1: I, I want to say yes. I stayed through all the credits. I feel like I saw all that pop up a few times. Okay. A um, uh, great acting all around too from everybody. The only person I kind of recognize here is the guy from Early Edition. Yeah, plays uh, the, the father. Would, of Whenever I bring that up, uh, people are like, "I think you mean Friday Night Lights, Logan." I'm like, "Friday Night Lights, James Vanderbeek." <laughs> oh right. Huh? Um, apparently he's on that show now. Uh, but he look he's not aged by the way. I like to point out like he still looks pretty good. He does. Uh, but yeah, he plays um, Joe's dad in the film. Uh, in, a, in typical Spielberg fashion, there's uh, you know hints of a divorce here, um, death in a family, that sort of thing. Just broken family life that but, it yeah. be, it's mended a lot through uh, friendship,
0: father-son relationships, and or single family relationships. Big Spielberg thing.
1: Yes, that uh, are mended through your relationships with friends, uh, which we get a lot of in this movie. Plus the overall action of the film and mm-hmm. how that's some bring people together. And you know it's going to somehow. Um, and so, because of that, all the actors pulled off, I thought the kids especially were very well cast. There me were too. times when I was watching them, I'm like, okay, I wonder if he just let them be like go crazy in the scene, or if this is written. Either
0: way, I totally believe that they're actually kids. Which is the same feeling I had when I watched Goonies, which I that was what right, reminded right. me of it. If this feels just like kids being kids, and I and I so. know every one of those kids. Like I had a friend just like pretty much every one of those kids, both like in personality and in uh, and just in looks. Like the gangly kid with the giant glasses. Like we all knew that guy. I mean, You're like Logan. <laughs> yeah. kid with the crazy overbite you know
1: <laughs> yeah no it's you're right about that um and, like i was really surprised at how well that worked not only that is uh there was a point when I realized that this is one of the few films I think are really treating kids the way they would act in these situations, too. Yeah. I, I think uh, films now go overboard. It's like a Spy Kids type thing where it's like – Spy Kids is an extreme example. But these kids are you know way outside of whatever they should be, however they should be reacting to this. And then there's the opposite where kids are just completely breaking down and the adults are like handling the action. But I think like kids are not afraid of anything. You know, if They see a giant hole in the ground. They're going to jump in that giant hole. Right. And like, you get so much of just that in the movie, and you buy every single second of it.
0: It starts, like, one of the most early scenes in the movie is one of the characters who is under 16 driving them around in the car, but then also being really freaked out that people will find out about it because he doesn't want to get in trouble. So it's, like, the perfect balance of, like, actual realistic kid behavior.
1: It really works. Um, well, we've praised it for. Do you have any more quick praise I forgot? Cause I have a...
0: Well, it's here. actually, can I use this to cycle into, uh, into a, a criticism? Uh, oh yeah, go. we just talked about the father-son thing being a Spielberg hallmark, and uh, it is, and it's done well. But I think that's one of the first places the movie starts to break down because there's tension between Joe and his dad because his mother has passed away. But um, but the resolution to that and it's, it's very very easy to me. It, it's all falls yeah, together I... much too easily, and you don't feel like it's earned. And there's other. Uh, a lot of the relationship stuff, which is handled well scene to scene and really effective scene to scene, kind of falls apart at the end when you're like, wait, what happened? Where was the turn where these two characters realized that they liked each other or where they realized their problems weren't that big of a deal or where they got over things? Like, it's hard to see the, the arc of individual character relationships as much as I'd like to. It all sort of falls together at the end in kind of a rushed feeling way.
1: Well, Ryan, I'd say you're exactly right about that. I think, honestly, I felt a lot of it was lazy. Um mm-hmm. The relationship with the dad stuff, I, I think there was a point in the script where these characters have gotten so far separated that I kind of realized that they're not going to resolve this besides whatever just brings them together at the very last second. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. I feel like they – neither of them really went out of their way to solve the problem themselves, um, which is weird because this is a really strong character movie too. Um, in fact, that kind of leads into my other complaint. But no, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and it's not just Joe and his dad. Like there's another family relationship in it too. That's pretty, pretty much the exact same way. Yeah. And not only that, there's also rivalry. Uh, there's also two dads that are kind of clashing heads as well. And they just uh, they have they just one of those things where they just have to come together if anything. They don't exactly. sort of like they don't
0: really settle their difference at any point. And that's the um, one that I would have loved to have seen another scene or two because that I was really interested in that relationship and I wanted I to agree. see them come to blows or something happen. But okay, side note. Didn't. Completely unrelated to what we're talking about. Did you hear Wings' silly love songs
1: at all in this movie?
0: Yeah, I was going to mention oh, that Oh, did too. you really? Yeah.
1: Wait, you did hear Where yeah, was it? Yeah, at the diner. Okay, I totally didn't pick up on that. Who's, that, um, who's as- talking about that? No, no, this is just me. Um, watching the credits, I saw it listed. I'm like, okay, I don't remember that. So I'm wondering if there's, like, deleted scenes or something from this. So, and then you talk about, like, uh, maybe we need more of the dads and whatnot. I'm starting to wonder if this is, like, head towards a director's cut or
0: something. Uh, oh, you're um. thinking it just from a cut scene? That you're yeah, that?
1: right, right. But if you say you heard it in there, then. Yeah,
0: in fact, I was going to mention that to you because I, I, it was one of the few things that dated the movie. Uh, they, they do have some more songs in the movie that are very specific to a time period. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that's
1: a side note. Okay, my other problem with this, and I think it's the biggest, and this is a really uh, – I got I to gotta walk softly here, Ryan, and get, carry a great big stick I uh, because I, I really don't, don't want to tip anything at all. I don't want to give anything away. Right. Uh, but I felt that he gets so buried in wanting to keep this whatever is going on like a big secret and away from the audience for so long that by the time he does get around to it, it seems really lazy and uh, too quick um uh, which i guess is kind of what we were saying what i was saying here with the the dad stuff too but if anything like i can write some of that off because i've it, if anything it helped me get really into these other characters right mm-hmm. and so i was really uh, i really liked whatever they were doing um but as far as what's driving the movie it's kind of kept aside for a little too long i think
0: yeah i don't know i kind of agree with you i think it's it's more that when we finally get the reveal um It's not, like, I think I would have been okay with it being a secret for as long as it was if the reveal had a little more payoff to it. I think what happens is, much like the rest of the ending, it feels a little easy uh, in terms of how they overcome that whole situation.
1: And by the time they get to the reveal, it's, whatever the, whatever it is, has already solved its own problem. Um, so there's not much else for us to see with it, um. I, 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 that's like, it's really touchy. I'm trying to, not to give away. Too yeah. Much.
0: There is some question as to whether it was even necessary. Yeah, we can assume it kind of was necessary for, for them to get involved. I, it's a little weird. I mean, it's a little weird.
1: But to I what will extent, say, what, oh,
0: sorry, No, yeah. The,
1: I see. You said, I was just saying exactly what you said. To what extent did they actually need any sort of involvement here whatsoever? Yes. Um, I felt kind of looking back that they're all running around while this, whatever it is, is solving its own problem in a way. Yeah. Um, But we're discovering what it is with them at times, and that that stuff's good.
0: I will say, though, in terms of payoff, uh, Joe has a locket that he keeps of his mother the whole movie, and the payoff for that was great. I agree. It's the ding moment, and you're just... And I was like, oh, I see where this is going, and uh, it's like, even that felt so cliche, but I'm like, oh, you're doing it so perfect.
1: Um, and we got uh, the Abrams favorite. I, I, can't, I can never pronounce his last name. Michael, whatever it is, um, who did the music for this film too. But he's uh, he's known for Lost, but he's best known for his up score. Um, and he does a lot of like the soft piano moments. Think you know up when we're seeing the relationship between the old man and his wife yes. uh, from beginning to end. And with that thrown in there too, you really get that whole. Uh, it really kind of completes the feeling that this movie was going for, and it, it's a major payoff to the point that I can look past a lot of the flaws. Um, I guess I'll just jump into it here. I I think leaving the theater, I really felt like this was a solid eight ride, oh, yeah. um, and that's kind of where I want to land for it. However, I, I I'm stumbling a little too much with some of the some of the stuff Mac Three. Yeah, um, and I feel like there was payoff here, yes, for sure. Um, but I felt like it was. Kind of like quickly put together payoff. Like he knew where he wanted to go, he just didn't quite know where to get these characters where they need to be to solve these problems before he got there. And instead, he just kind of has them all coming together at the end with problems solved. Um, but I think it's a solid seven for sure.
0: Well, uh, there's that rare moment where we agree 100%. I had the exact same situation when I went so far as to enter my rating on IMDb as an eight as I left the theater because it just you end feeling really good, you know. You really do. And it is a great movie. And then as I thought about it some more, I, I like to write down my thoughts after the film. I was writing them down. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I kinda had to think about it, I'm like, uh, really there there's the it didn't quite live up to the hype and it, it gets it gets a seven for me as well. It's a solid seven. Highly recommend people see it. Couldn't quite give it the eight though.
1: Well, I've been known to change my mind in retrospect. I think Scott Pilgrim's a good example. Um, but this is one too. I think I'm definitely. This is. I'll definitely buy this when it comes out. And maybe after a few more uh, times of watching it, it'll really just click with me. Um, maybe knowing where the characters are too. And that might be slightly cheating, but I'm already recommending this people to. I'm already recommending this movie to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but furthermore, I'm gonna go as far as to say, Ryan, this this is my favorite movie this summer so far, and it's the first movie that's really felt like a summer
0: to me. It's very um, summer feeling. I agree. It feels like an I, adventure.
1: And when I look back at everything that this summer has given us, everything's either a sequel, a reboot, um, a remake, something like that. You can just look at, you know, what the top films are right now. You have The like Hangover Part Two, Pirates of Carry Caribbean 4, X-Men First Class. And this is, I it, I can't, I won't go as far as to say this is a first, you know, like a wholly original summer film, because it's not. If anything, I feel like he might even admit that himself, because he's trying to make one of these movies that he grew up with, It's an homage, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, But this is a movie that, back in the day, I feel like I'd see during the summer. Mm -hmm. And it has that great feel to it, and um, I think you can't go wrong, especially in... You know, it's... Yeah, it's PG-13, there's a lot of language, but no more than whatever you're showing your kids in Goonies, Gremlins, uh, E.T., that sort of thing. Think Penis Breath, you know? Yeah, I think you're totally cool to take your kid, yeah. I I think I would... If I had, like, a... uh, I don't, I don't know how old the character is supposed to be in this movie, but if I had, like, an eight-year-old kid, you know, that sort of thing, I'd totally take this film. This one was from, I, I, like, leaving the theater, i know I'd have that just, like, warm feeling because I know he'd grow up loving this movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which is what, you know, happened
0: with me, like, an E.T. and those sort of things. Agreed. And I think that feeling comes from, like, that nostalgia feeling comes from, first of all, the purposeful nostalgia like you talked about, but also Abrams is such, like, a really good composer of individual moments. Like, and, and also, usually, of films as a whole, and this film is well composed as a whole, Despite what we said, but just moment to moment, you're like, yeah, I, I've felt just like that before, you know. Like you're finding a lot of relatable stuff in every scene, I think, which is part of the reason that it, it felt so good to me.
1: Well, he got the he got the right cast together. Mm-hmm. They that's, really, that's a huge really part. Of it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so super eight. Uh, highly recommended. If only uh, we could have given it an eight, it would have been perfect. Yeah, it, w- it really would have been a super eight. Then as now, it's kind of a seven. It I is. I could uh, have an adjective before seven.
0: You know, I think, you really feel, part of that rushed feeling, although actually I think this was a good thing, is that, like, he doesn't have an epilogue on this movie. I'm not going to ruin anything, but, like, it's basically a climactic moment, and then we sort of fade out to credits. And, like, I feel like you could have used some more of that time to just sort of expand that ending a bit and make it feel a little more, yes. more earned. And this would have easily been an eight. But, anyway.
1: No, I'm with you on that. But what he does with the credits, I really enjoyed that. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> um, it'd be...
1: Like it was, like it got. I don't. To me, those were like that was kind of a vintage Abrams
0: type thing to do. That was a huge payoff. I I mean, I think you can say what that is. Can we say what that is?
1: Um. Well. I. Okay. I guess that's not too much. So we'll just say stick around doing the credits, Uh, because obviously, if they made a Super Eight film during this movie, um, we would hope that we'd get to see it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's it's perfect. Let me just say that uh,
0: I was reminded of our films as well. As oh, a I was so
1: there's – there's this great scene where he yeah, – the director – the kid director needs background action. He's like, I want you to walk up and uh, – <laughs> like, you're talking about his phone. And watching that, that was so something you and I because he's, like, badly mouthing in the background. It's, like, kind of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. blah, blah really like a Muppet almost, like, really.
0: <laughs> right. And also, obviously, watching the scene.
1: Yes, <laughs> Which we would do because we grew up watching uh, uh, like Zucker Abrams films where they actually did that, you know, right. like was in the background was like watching the scene going on, uh, <laughs> which is uh. funny. Um, so Supreme is good, it's good stuff. Now we'll be back in uh, two weeks with uh, Larry Crown. Uh, this is there's, a, there's some logistics behind this. Basically, we're trying to time it out to 100. So because that we're skipping Green Lantern. Uh, and Mr. Popper's Penguins. Anything else big opening next this coming week that you can think of? Those I are f- two. I don't I know think so. Green Lantern's definitely one of the big
0: summer ones. I'm going to try uh, to go s- check that out. I mean, I'm going to see it anyway and I'll try to um, go ahead and write a review for the site.
1: That's to say, yeah, If uh, Ryan, you especially, but anyone else out there? Uh, so we're taking
0: a week off, so if you want to tell us what you think about those. Indeed, and uh, this week we will hopefully also go into planning for the 100th episode a bit, like you said, in terms of getting um, some of the suggestions you've had uh, great. Uh, taken yep. care of. We should mention again that we are accepting suggestions for things to review for our 100th episode. We're going to do an episode where we review things that aren't movies or television. So there's anything in your life, movie, you know, books, video games, restaurants, vague concepts, you know, social constructs you want us to talk about on our 100th episode show, uh, email us, go to criticalend.com, contact us through there. There's a post there you can respond to. We're also, uh, we've got posts going on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. But just get in touch with us and uh, let us know what you want us to review. We'll put it on the list.
1: Uh, all good stuff. Um, so yeah, working towards episode 900 should be good. Uh, two weeks before we Return of Larry Crown. Uh, I don't have the list up in front of me, but we got a, a pretty back-to-back uh, month-and-a-half set up ahead of us. Yep. We're covering all the big summer movies, so I think we're doing pretty good as far as critical in the podcast goes.
0: I love it. I love it more. Well, you um, win. I, I, I kind of want to see Super 8 again now. Yeah, we talked it up. I'm like, maybe it kind of was not 8. I mean, it yeah, wasn't. <laughs> right. It wasn't, but... It, you feel good about it Yeah you really do um,
1: But you know I had this Not Don't I don't even put these movies In the same league Even though I like both of them um, Although I, I kind of love Super 8 But uh, I Like I kind of want to see First class again too Is that
0: weird it's like, also I also a great about,
1: movie I talked about them, And you know I just gave it a 6 enough To someone I'm like That was kind of a fun movie I had a good time With that movie
0: I, I gave that an 8 So I mean By rating wise I enjoyed uh, first class more So um, Yeah actually that's right Yeah uh, But anyway Interesting summer so far. Indeed, and it's only gonna get interestinger. Er. 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 All right. Well, uh, until next week, Logan. Uh, actually, until two weeks. Uh, have fun. Enjoy your time off. And hopefully, people will uh, get us some more suggestions.
1: Um. You too, Ryan. Get to work on those suggestions. Okay.
0: Okay. I've just been well, making what... up all the suggestions.
1: Yeah, it's just you and all the friends that we supposedly have
0: there sending these to us. Yeah. Probably... No, we don't we never we don't actually release this podcast at all. No, we just listen. To, if you're listening to this there's been a terrible mistake. <laughs> we might need Uh-oh. help. That website didn't go public, did it? Uh-oh. Play this uh podcast backwards to hear our secret message for help so you can come save us from the podcast factory we've been imprisoned in by evil mad scientists. Knowing
1: us though, it's just us reciting the lyrics to the Beatles help probably. Uh See, the only reason he knew what lyric came next was because the background singers told him in that song.
0: Right, that is true. That Did is you ever true. Pick up him, yeah. It's it's a great
1: song because as a lead singer you don't have to learn anything at all.
0: Right. You're like they're like when he's like when I was younger <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew you're done today. <laughs> yes, that's uh, true. true. Okay. Next week. No, two weeks. Two weeks. Break. And synchronize our watch. We only have one watch Why do we need to Synchronize them? <laughs> yeah, That's why I said Our watch yeah. <laughs> We know why. Like you... the days We
1: both try to wear The same How wrist do you yeah.
0: Synchronize one watch I don't understand <laughs> We both gotta push The button at the same time Oh
1: Okay